Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes in Discussion. The, today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by Paul Wakefield. Good morning, Paul. Hi, how are you? And how are you doing? Very well, thanks. You and yourself? Yeah, very well, thanks. Good. As I'm sure the vast majority, if not everyone who listens to this podcast will have heard of Paul Wakefield, you certainly should have because I think his book, The Landscape, which we'll get on to discussion, is probably the most suggested book by any of the podcast guests. Um, so it, it really is a, a real pleasure and honour to, to have Paul with us this morning to discuss his work. Paul's obviously got a very, very extensive career, many, many books, uh, including The Landscape, which uh, which we'll get on to talk about. But before we do that, Paul, it would be great if you could maybe give a, an introduction to your background, your photography journey as well. Okay. Well, thanks Thanks for inviting me, Ewan. And also, um, I think congratulations on, on your website and, and, and the podcast and everything. I think you're doing a brilliant job. Thanks. So really great about that. Um, let's see. Well, I was born in Hong Kong. Um, my father was a prisoner of war. And so he was out there, not out of choice, and spent four, <clears throat> something like four and a half years in prisoner of war camp. He learned Cantonese. Yep. And at the end of the war, he, the, 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 the English came back to Hong Kong and they said to the people at the, in the prisoner of war camp, Does any, can anyone speak Cantonese and do you want to start um, helping the new government? And yep. About six people put up their hands and one was my dad. So that's why I was born there. Yep. And um, he was a uh, very keen gadget on gadgets, oh, really? anything to do with gadgets. And it was all, I think it was all, it all came. <clears throat> he, was, he was also very good at, at drawing arch architectural plans. Yeah. <clears throat> So um, he had that uh, he had that sort of pinpoint ability to focus on things like that, yeah. and I think it was his time in prison war camp that that, that, that made him um, particularly good at focusing on how to get around difficult situations. Yeah, and so he liked gadgets and he thinks he think he liked things like that. And actually, I picked that quality up from him when I started working um, after I left college. Yep. You know, I, I, I started doing book jackets and record covers and things like that. And yep. in, in those days, in the 70s, there was no Photoshop. There was no digital. You had to do everything yourself. You had to do everything in camera or you had to make models. You had to do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And I think I got that, probably got that ability from him. But anyway, um, he had a, a, a lovely camera at the time, which was the Zeiss Contraflex. Um, and I was also very keen on nature as a boy, very keen. In fact, that's that's actually why I think I've probably ended up being a landscape photographer and not any other kind of photographer because okay. I do genuinely love nature and I genuinely love the landscape. Yep. It's almost more important to me than than, than, than photography. Yeah. And um, I went out one day with his camera without any instruction whatsoever. He was the kind of guy that would just let you take something and go away <laughs> and find out about it yourself. Yeah. And I went, we had a troop of monkeys down the end of our road and I thought, great, I'll go and I'll go and photograph them, combine the two, to, to, <laughs> two um, pleasures, you know? Yeah. And of course, I was Kodachrome then. I got the box back, and I don't know how many, maybe a month later or something. And I think there was maybe one monkey on the 36 slides. It was all blurred leaves. It was a complete yep. mess. Of course, I'd had no instruction. Yep. So, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what, you know, I, there, were de there were definitely monkeys through the viewfinder. Yep. Um, and so I thought I'd try an easier audience, um, a captive audience. So I went to the botanical gardens where the birds were in cages 
Yep. And it was even worse. It was just dark and gloomy and sort of like almost like stills from a horror film or something. Yeah, yeah. So I, I gave it up. I put it aside. And that was when I was, I guess, about 12. And um, I then came back. My, I was sent back to England to boarding school with my twin brother, which was a, a dreadful uh, t- thing because we were having a wonderful time in Hong Kong. Yes. And, but anyway, what I, what, what I, what I did at, at, at school, at boarding school, is as a form of escape, I think I, was, I probably did at the time, we had a wonderful library and we also had an, an in-house reading room. And they, the school um, um, had a lot of good magazines. They had Life magazine, they had Time magazine, they had National Geographic. And I, would, and I spent a lot of my time in the reading room and in the library of my spare, spare time, because of course a lot of time you're having in lessons. Um, just looking at these books, and I guess at the time I was doing it, doing it as a form of um, escapism. Yeah. I certainly can't deny that. I certainly wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, and also it was broadening horizons, but, I, but slowly, slowly, I, 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 I sort of started to, without really knowing it, without really understanding the process, I started to um, wonder why some pictures uh, I found much more interesting and then resonated much more strongly than others. Yeah. And I sort of learned a sort of early deconstruction method of taking pictures apart a little bit and, and, and blocking things out and saying, well, what if that wasn't there and this wasn't there? Yeah. Okay. You know, why would this, why is this picture working better than this one? Yeah. So in a way, I was teaching myself a form of looking and a form of composition without having any camera and without having any art instruction, because I there was, I don't think there was an art class at my boarding school. I certainly don't remember one. Yeah. And then when I came out of boarding school, I did a, a foundation course. I did. A, I was going. I was wanting to be, um, uh, sorry, a mean, a, a marine biologist or something like that. I, I was okay. already scuba diving as a kid from Hong Kong. Cool. Um, and I was, and I was also a, a big collector of things. I was collecting, I collected butterflies, I collected birds' eggs, I collected all sorts of things. Uh, those two things I wouldn't do now, of course. Yep. You know, but when you're a kid, they're different, and there were there were many more insects and birds around. Yeah. And I think I, you know, one of the other things about photography, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a way of collecting memories. Yes. Yeah. And so I was already doing things like early things like that that weren't necessarily connected to photography but that were that i that i'm still doing now yeah. you know and um so i did a 180 degree turn i went to art college right. and the, at that time you had to do um a foundation course first okay and so you learned about everything and yeah. i and i had a, and i and i and i had an art, art history class and we had a fantastic teacher and all of a sudden I realized he was teaching us about deconstructing images. Yeah. <laughs> uh, about something I knew a little bit about from self, self-instruction. Yeah. And I found that in- amazingly interesting. And, and, and um, I came across painters, you know, like Caspar David Friedrichs and Francis Town and other, other um, English watercolorists and landscape painters like Turner and everything. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is interesting. And, I had actually gone to, to, to the foundation because I wanted to do a photography course. Yes. But you couldn't do that without a foundation course. So I then went to do a three-year photography course in Birmingham. Yep. And 
there was a group of about five of us, and we all helped and in, helped as, and, and sort of in, not exactly instructed each other, but encouraged each other. Yes, yeah. The instruction at the college was not particularly good. Um, it was a long time ago, uh, and a friend of mine, a friend of, of mine, and I, we moved to London in the last year, and we started freelancing. We started going getting jobs at publishing houses, design groups and things like that, and taking the work back to college and using the college equipment and studios to do the work. Yeah. And that's when, that's when I learned to, you know, of, co- of course you had to learn about, like, it was all studio work, so I learned about lighting and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And at the same time at college, I learned to use a 4 by 5 camera and I learned how to look at the landscape through a 4 by 5 camera. Yep. which is completely different to looking at it with any other camera yeah. because you're under a cloth, it's upside down, and it, it's, it's a sort of perspective trick yeah. <laughs> that, that actually uh, 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 allowed me to look at it, look at um, uh, uh, something that was completely recognisable in an abstract manner because yeah. it was simply because it was upside down. Yeah. And... Um, I think that 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 also uh, was part of um, the way I started to compose pictures because of all those reasons that I talked about before about looking at pictures, blocking them, yeah, elements uh, out, and all that thing like that. And I think I think I you because you're not looking at other people's work in a way to see what they're doing because at that stage I wasn't knowledgeable enough to know what i was doing yeah i think a certain amount of basic stuff seeps into you yeah and so i came out almost i came out almost as sort of fully formed if you could say photographer without actually taking any pictures yeah which is a little bit of a weird thing to be able to say yeah i feel as i feel that's actually what happened yeah um and so when i came out of college i was very um I didn't assist anybody. Yeah. But my friend and I just helped each other. Yes. And I went on from from um, book covers and design work to do record covers. Um, started doing record covers in about 1974, and and then and then one of the record covers was um, uh, in in Wales, a landscape. Right. And I'd never been to Wales, and I did the I did the shot. And I thought, wow, this is this is amazing. And I thought I haven't taken landscape since I left college I'd been busy in the studio yeah. in the dark okay. you know etc etc and so I started all my spare time I started going back and forth to Wales doing just work just looking at maps I, had, I bought all the ordnance survey maps yeah um there was no internet then of course um <laughs> and so you had to, you had to find your own places and actually that was what I found one of the most um interesting things about photography yeah. self-discovery yeah i don't mean self-discovery in internally i mean what well, i do actually i mean that as well but i mean self-discovery about about the landscape about the location yeah. you have to find it all out yourself yeah no google search to help you yeah, and yeah no digital search to help you just maps I, I got very good at looking at maps and also there were no other pictures to think yeah this is the spot to stand yeah you know you learn your spot yourself and I have to say, um, one of the composite, one of the compositional, 
I, I would say the main compositional criteria is, is, and I think I mentioned this in the On Landscape thing, um, article I did with Joe, yeah. um, is, is, stand, is finding your right spot. Yeah. Um, you know, I cannot stress how important that is, finding your right spot. And Ansel Adams once said, if you line 10 people up in a line, and he did this as a, an exercise on a number of occasions, yeah. and say, there you are, I want, I want an exact photograph of that scene in front of you. 10 different pictures came back. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's the great thing. And that's not just because they were standing in slightly different places, but they were thinking in slightly different ways. Yeah, different approaches. And they weren't copying each other, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, so, yeah. Um, so I did, yeah, I did that for a while. I did that until about 1980. And then I started going to Wales about 1978, I guess. And by about 19... 82 1981 i think i had a lot of fit pictures of yeah. wales and i didn't know what to do with them and i thought well why not do a book yeah and so <clears throat> i i thought well you know i think it was the hell of my wife who said you know why don't you approach <laughs> a writer and yep. we, we sort of thought who it could be and blah 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 and um and jan morris came up obviously because she she was a fantastic writer and she was welsh and she lived in wales and she had written about wales etc so I, I found her phone number somehow or other. I rang her up and um, she, she sounded interested. And I, she said, yeah, well, you know, next, next time you were in Wales, Popping. give me a ring. And I said, I'm coming the week, on the weekend. <laughs> and so she said, oh, okay, okay. And so I thought, you know, how can I, and I thought I, I've got to present myself. I've got to show her something that I don't think she's seen before. Yeah. And at that time, your, por your portfolio for a, for a commercial work was in the form of, um, of a, an A4 piece of cut-out card, professionally done, yep. mounted with a 5x4 transparency in it, with your name embossed in the front of it. It was quite an impressive piece of, a piece of, uh, a piece of sort of construction to see. Yep. And, I, and I thought I'd take an A4 light box with some work, and I, and I went up to her see her and um she went downstairs to make it to make us a tea and i went around the room turning what she was a beautiful old barn she had full of books right cool. and i went around the room turning all her lamps off except for one down at the far end yeah and i set up the light box and i put a four by five transparency and she came up the stairs she said oh it's dark in here what's going on and um <laughs> she said anyway she sat down i in front of the light box, I flipped the switch, and you know, in a darkened, slight, pretty darkened room, up comes this almost like a projection. Yeah, <coughs> it's like it's like a little little bit of magic, you know. And um, I mean, within about six pictures, she said, "Yes, let's do this," you know. Excellent. So that was fantastic, and then I had to find a publisher. So then, you know, and then we did the four books. Yeah. Yep. Um, and really, by then. And, I, and also by then, by half about the second book, I I, I moved into advertising. Yeah. Um, I had you know I wanted to make more money. I wanted to do more challenging work. Yes. Um, I wanted to take more risks. The, the usual things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I got an agent, etc. I got agents in France, in America, and blah blah blah. And um. But I was still doing these, these, these landscape photographs in my spare time. Yes. And also, I would actually be very strict about that. 
you know, I would only, if I if I um, worked out a trip that I had to go somewhere at a particular time for something, and a job came up, I would turn the job down. Right. Yeah. It didn't go down well with my agents, <laughs> and I didn't do it if it was a seriously big job. Obviously, yes. that would have been yeah. really daft. Yeah. But I would do it if it was just a small job. Yeah. And so, um, I went through the four books. And I got burnt out really because the, the the books were done quite rapidly. Okay. Um, the four books were done in about eight years. Yeah. And for me, that's one. I'm also at the same time doing a lot of commercial work. That's a heavy workload, and I got serious burnout. And that's when I went started going to India. Okay. Yeah. Um, I went to India first in about '84 at the invitation of a friend, and then I could see the interest. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I took my four by five camera with me, which was a really dark thing to do because it's almost impossible taking a photograph. I wanted to take photographs of people. Yeah. I didn't want to do the landscape. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, people have done it before, you know, in Victorian times, they've done it. Uh, the thing is, you know, it's modern India is totally different. Yeah. Hard to control. And also, you put a dark cloth over your head in the middle of a group of people in the village, and they think you're about to do a show. You know, they're, they're <laughs> expecting puppets and things, yeah. and lights, and all sorts of shit. <laughs> and so I, I did make a few images, and actually one of the images from that time is in this new book. Yep. Uh, but of course, I realised I made a, a serious mistake, and I came back and I thought, I'll have to do this properly if I'm serious about it. Because any rider grabs you, or it sends you screaming back to your home country. Yes. Yeah. In horror. And it completely and utterly grabbed me. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, in, and in the end, I, be, I became a little bit obsessive about it. Um, sometimes I would go twice a year, yeah. but I would certainly go once a year. And I went once a year for the next, I don't know, about 15 years. Yeah. And I went with a Leica M6. And a Fuji six by nine, yeah, all with color negative film. Yeah, and I was doing street photography, and I had never done street photography before. Um, so it was a little bit of a learning curve. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a slightly scary thing, putting yourself not just in a new um, environment but with a new subject matter, which was generally people. Yes. So <clears throat> I had to learn quite quickly how I had to behave in front of other people and how I had to also how I had to keep away from other people so that I didn't become the center of attention. Yeah. And they would carry on doing their normal everyday things without me interfering with them. Yes. Yeah. So there were lots of learning. There were lots of things you, you, you had to learn to do. And after a while, it, you know, it became easier and easier and it became more and more enjoyable. And, and that's, I guess, why it became obsessive. Yes, yeah. Um, and then about, I guess, maybe about in the early 90s, I started doing landscapes again. Yeah. I started going to America. I started going to Iceland. I took my Land Rover on the ferry to Iceland for like eight weeks. Lovely. Um, so I was doing things like this, in the, again, in the middle of doing a, a lot of commercial work. One. Yeah. <clears throat> and still working on a four by five, 
for the landscapes. Yeah. And um, not with any, not with any, uh, I mean, uh, because the, 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 all the other landscape work I did before ended up being, again, a brief because they were for a specific book. Yeah. I thought, I'm just going to take landscapes for the sheer hell of it. Yeah, enjoyment. Just my pure and utter personal pleasure. Yeah. So that's what I did. But of course, you don't do that, really. You know, there are strictures that are going on. There are things that you're looking at yes. that you know connect with other things that you're looking at. Yes. You become interested in the landscape in a different way. I became interested in the landscape in a completely different way, in, in a more of a topographic way. Right, yeah. The way of how things connected in different places in the world. I mean, yeah. for example, in the landscape, the, 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 the desert section, the dryland section, as I called it, um, it's just of two small areas. When I say small, I mean, I don't mean a garden size. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one is in, in Egypt, in the Sahara El Beda, yeah. the white desert. And the other is on the Arizona-Utah border. And the, the, exactly the same things were going on in, in the two places. Yeah. In, in Egypt, the, 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 the sandstone was like a, more like a chalk, I guess, um, was white. And in America, it's more towards, it was more from white. It started off at white, but it went all the way to red. Yeah. So there was a kind of differentiation. But the reasons for it happening, for the, for the, for the marks on the rock and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the way the rock was being sculpted, was almost identical. Yeah. It was sand, wind, rain, yeah. and heat. All those things were affecting the rock in, exact, in, the rock in exactly the same way. Yeah. Under very similar um, circumstances, <clears throat> although obviously in the Sahara El Beda it's drier and it's hotter. Yes. Yeah. So you know that, those were the things that I was trying to connect. And I was trying to to say about the landscape um, in an overall manner, not in a specific place. Yeah. And I, because you know everyone gets hung up on, on about about landscape. I mean, they look at a picture, and believe me. The first thing they ask you is, where is that? Yeah. And what is that about? Yeah. That's not a consideration of what they're looking at. No. That is something that they think they're lacking from that picture that they need to know. It is. Why? To make them understand any better about the picture? Because it doesn't. Yes. Because it might be a place they've never heard of. Yeah. So I don't know why people are asking that question. <clears throat> it's the same way as when you go to an art gallery. If you go to an art gallery and watch people when they're looking, when they're walking around, most of the time they will go to a painting and they will they will look at the at, at the label, and they'll look at the label and they'll have a good look at it and they'll read it. They'll come back, they'll look at the painting, and they'll walk on. Walk on, yeah. Uh, what you're meant to do is you're meant to look at the painting. Yeah. Yeah, fine. You are. You, you look at it afterwards. And, you meant to look at the work. You meant to look at the painting. And so, one of the reasons why I did, I, I can, I, 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 Eddie and I constructed that book in the way that we did. There was nothing on the page apart from maybe a number. Yes. Um, mm. And you know, I'm not going to piss people off by not saying where it is because I know people like that, and I know people want to know. And I, and I don't, I don't, I don't see why they, why they shouldn't know. Yep. I, the, 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 the thing I have against it, and the thing that I don't do too specifically, is if they 
I mean, I had a guy once ring me up. He didn't ring me up, he emailed me. He bought the book. Yep. And he met, sent me an email and he said the most amazing thing that I, it, I was completely and utterly shocked at. And he said, um, I've, I've received the book, thanks very much, blah, blah, blah. I really want to know this picture, where's it taken? Um, can you give me uh, the ordnance survey map coordinates? <laughs> what the fuck is that about? And, and I thought, well, I didn't answer him actually. I just completely yeah. junked the email. Yeah. But I thought, you know, yes, I, hope I, haven't done the, I hope I haven't done the wrong thing here. That's not what I intended to do with this book. Yeah. Fortunately, it didn't happen again. It, it it hasn't happened. It didn't happen again, and I'm and I'm happy about that. I'm glad about that. Um, I don't mind people going to those locations and yeah. and, and 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 taking pictures. I, I I've got nothing to do about that. People can do once the book is out there. It doesn't belong to me anymore. Yeah, it belongs to the person who owns it, and and they can they can look at it how they like, and they can consider it how they like, and they can use it how they like. Yes, yeah. And I'm very happy for it to be. Um, if you like some form of learning tool, because I certainly learned everything I know from books. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, about taking pictures. Yes. Um, from, from, from looking at books. So I know how important that is. Um, and, you know, there's another very well established method of people learning how to paint. And that is by going to a museum and putting yourself in front of a painting and painting it. Yes, yeah. And it's an almost opposite version of deconstruction. It's a sort of construction way yeah. of deconstructing a picture. Yes. You learn how to paint how a master painted. I mean, I had a friend called Len McComb, who was a brilliant painter. And um, his, um, his hero was Cezanne. So he would, he would and, he, and because he was a well-known painter, he could go to a museum and get this privilege of yep. sitting in front of a Cezanne that he loved and over a number of days Being painting good. it. Yeah. And he learned a huge amount from that. From doing it, yeah. And it's a little bit like looking at a picture, doing you can't, you can't, you can't do it the same way photographically. Yeah. Somebody could, if they like, look at a photograph, a painter could look at a photograph and paint it. I don't yes. really see the point. Yeah. Because he's not going to learn the way you put paint on a on a canvas no. as if you would if you looked at a painting. Yes, yeah, different approaches. Uh, I don't, it's a different process completely. But if you were a painter, yes, looking at a real, the real thing and repainting it, that is a tried and tested method of learning how to, how to work. Yeah, yeah. And I think the opposite way for a photographer is deconstructing. Yeah. And, and I think it works equally as well. And so I can't remember why I got into that, but anyway, I, I, I sort of <laughs> transgress a bit here and there and out again. Um, where was I? Let me think. Um, yeah, you were talking. Yeah, but, yeah carry on. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's why, that's why I, 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 there were lots of reasons why I, why I wanted the book to look like that and why I, um, why we constructed it in that way. And of course, the, the sequencing was another thing that's, Hugely important. Phenomenally important. And yeah. one of the other, one of the ways I got, one of the, not the ways I got around it, but one of the 
other good reasons for not putting information on the page apart from you're not distracting someone's attention yes is that it allows you to put them in the back of the page yes. uh, in the back of the book the, sorry yeah now i could have put them in as a column yes of titles with page numbers and i kind of considered that but the thing about this particular book and the way it was put together was that sequencing took me a year. I can imagine. It took me a year. And I don't mean in a head in the hands kind of way. I mean in a really enjoyable way. Yeah. And it was done by putting pictures of those images in exactly the same size as they are as thumbnails in the back of that book yeah. out on a big table in the studio. And they sat there for a year and they got fiddled around with and twiddled here and twiddled there. <coughs> yes. And Helen, my wife, who's a painter, would come up and Make do a lot well. of yes. what about this and what about that. And so it, it, by putting in the thumbnails at the back, which allowed me to then add the information, which I knew people would want. Yes. And as I said, I'm happy to give. Um, it also allowed me to show the sequence because when you're looking through the book, you haven't got the page before, you haven't got the page after. Absolutely, yeah. And so I wanted people to see that sequence because it had been such an important process. Yeah. And some people have said to me that they love looking at those pages at the back because of that reason. Yeah. I, it's, there's it's, there's I was, a sort of almost a musical score there. Yeah. I was just going to say the pages at the back, if you stripped out the the text I, is I'm less relevant about, but actually just the the sequence and the grid of the images, it, it's a wonderful thing to actually see how it's been constructed and to see how to see how all the images work together. Because as you say, when you're looking through it page by page, you can't see the page before or the page at the start of that section. But when you see it as a grid form, you can see how the whole section um, be it the rock lines or the, the 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 dry lines, you can see how it all works so beautifully as as a, as a sequence and as a body itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the, one of the, I, I did I've done it I, after that after that um, book came out in in twenty fourteen. I did a series of workshops with with Eddie. Yeah. And um, up in Scotland, and um, I had I have to say I I was daunted by the thought of doing them yeah um because i'm not that keen on in fact i don't like instructing people it's yeah. not my natural way at all i like i like people to find their own their own way yeah and, and i and i and i'm not a and i'm not a rule follower uh, and i'm not i'm not saying i'm a rule breaker yes i just don't have rules yeah that i follow and i certainly didn't have any to pass on so I kind of had, I kind of thought, well, what am I going to tell people? Uh, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. But Eddie is, Eddie is a brilliant yes. um, work, workshop leader. And it was all very easy. And it was all incredibly enjoyable. It was unbelievably hard work. <laughs> it was exhausting. But I have to say, I learned almost as, I think I learned almost as much from the participants than, 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 as they learned from me. Right. I learned a huge amount from those people, and I'm, you know, and I'm really grateful uh, for the for those things. But one of the things that I was good at was <clears throat> looking at a body of somebody's work, yes, and sorting it out for them. And I don't mean that in a 
in an arrogant way. Yeah. I know how long it took me to sort that book out. Yes. Yeah. And I know how difficult it is to sequence a set of pictures that are in front of you. Yeah. You have an emotional attachment to a Absolutely. number of pictures that shouldn't even be there. Absolutely. Yeah. They're not good enough or they're good enough, but they shouldn't be there because they don't fit with the others. There are all sorts of reasons. Yeah. So I was very, I was very good at them putting out their pictures. And we, we always did it in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way where they put pictures together in a small, in a small, in small sizes. So yes. it, wasn't, it wasn't too big. Yep. And I sometimes did this privately if they didn't want <clears throat> um, other people to hear. Yep. <clears throat> but ultimately I said, it's, it's good for everyone to hear because you're all learning from each other. Absolutely. So in the end, in the end, we always did it openly. Yeah. And it worked really well. And I, and I, and I, and so we would just put the pictures out there like that. And I would look at them for maybe five minutes. Yeah. And I would just go, you know, like that. Chup, 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 chup. And it, and it would, and it transformed the set of pictures. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I mean, what I was doing, all, all I was doing there was I was using literally years and years and years and years and years of looking at pictures yeah. and applying it to somebody else's pictures. It's a damn sight easier to do it for somebody else yes. than it is to do it for yourself. Absolutely. It's a struggle yeah. to do it for yourself. So I, I, was, I was quite good at that and, it was, and I quite enjoyed it. And then there were obviously other things. Um, to do so yeah we're sort of going in and out of the book and in and out of this and that and um um yeah and then of course um it got to the stage where i had these i had these pictures and i talked to eddie i mean i talked to eddie way way before 2014 i think i talked to eddie sometime like 28 or so, 2008 or something okay yeah in initially yes um, but we we sort of got got it all fine got it all down fine tuned in, in the last one or two years I guess yeah and again the whole point you know the whole thing was you know what do we do about the writing yeah and then he said oh you should do some writing you know blah 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 <coughs> and I thought no no I'm no, I'm really no good at that and in fact the one thing I hate about that book not hate but the one thing I'm unhappy about that book is the little bits of writing I put in at the end. Right. Okay. Under each section, other thumbnails. I don't like them. Right. I don't think they're good enough, and right. I shouldn't put them in. Yeah. There you are. They're in there, <clears throat> and it shows everyone is fallible. And I'm not saying I'm. I'm not saying all the pictures are good, uh, 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 are perfect, but for me they are. Yes. Yeah. But the writing isn't. But the other writing is is another matter. I think the other writing is is really really good. Yeah. And so it came to a point where. You know, who do we get? What do we get? Well, I've been reading Robert Wathan, um quite a lot. He's an amazing writer. And um, I just, I wrote to him. I sent him a handwritten letter <clears throat> on headed notepaper, which yep. my headed notepaper is quite nice. It's got some, a lovely symbol on it. And I put it in an A4 box with 10 prints. Right, okay. And I sent it to his university. He lectures in Cambridge, <clears throat> as well as being a writer. Yeah. And I heard nothing. I heard nothing for like <laughs> two months, I think, two months. And I thought, I said, really, well, we better try someone else. You know, I yeah. can't. Hang so, on. Um, 
And then one day, at the same time, that this email pinged in <coughs> from Robert. So sorry, blah, blah, blah. I've been very busy writing. Yep. Uh, uh, uh. Um, yes, I'd love to do this. I think the pictures are great. <laughs> Can't Cambridge. So I went and saw him and um, left him with a whole set of pictures. Cool. Okay. Lovely. Didn't say anything. How, what can you say to someone like Robert McFarlane about, you know, what you want? I don't, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted. I mean, I wanted what he wanted. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so he, he wrote it quite quickly. He wrote it in, I think I got it in a, in a, a week or so. And it was perfect. I mean, it was just, I can't tell you how perfect it was because, you know, that first paragraph, I think, well, first or second paragraph, yeah where he talks about Cormac McCarthy. Now, Cormac McCarthy, he didn't know this, but Cormac McCarthy is probably one of my favourite authors. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, to, to use a quote from Cormac McCarthy, and I also love Nan, Gold, um, um, Nan Shepherd, yeah. <clears throat> who he also quoted from, but, but, but it was the particularly the, the Cormac McCarthy quote that absolutely sealed it for me. Yeah. I mean, it was bang on. It was my thoughts... About, about my pictures in words. Yeah, perfectly done. And it was perfectly done. And, and um, I was completely thrilled. And, and, I, and, I, and I also had written to another man called, um, oh God, my memory is so bad. Andrew Wilson, Andrew Wilson, who was at the time the um, Turner expert at the Tate Gallery. <clears throat> okay. And, um, I wanted a visual perspective as well, but I didn't want a photographer. Right, yeah. Um, and he was fantastic as, as well. He came with me to Berlin Gap and watched me work. Yeah. He asked if he could do it, and I almost said no, because no one's ever been with me when I've been taking my pictures before. Obviously, when I'm working commercially. Different. <clears throat> you, you're sometimes you're with, a, with, you're with a, a team of 20 people. Mm. but when I'm taking my own pictures I, I, there's nobody it's just me yes and so I thought oh god can I watch can I let someone watch me work I don't know but anyway I thought why not and uh, he was great he was great actually he just kept out of the way and I love Berlin Gap um, so I took a few pictures in fact the one is in in the in the piece where he's written is where is I took when he when he was there because I thought yeah. it was a nice thing to do it's, it's nice not a particularly good it's not a particularly good picture but it, it 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 it's it sums up the experience that we had together. Yes, and I thought that was important. And then the last big, last book, uh, piece of writing at the back is by a, a portrait painter friend of mine called Andy Conley. And, and again, I think he's done a, 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 a something that the other two hadn't done. Yes. And so I thought that, I thought that, you know with with the pictures and those three pieces of writing, I thought I'd really produce something that I don't think is was that was out there at the time yeah on on landscape in in an overall form i mean most people were doing landscape books about specific places as you usually do yes yeah but i wanted to do this like i said earlier this overall topographical feel about connections of landscapes in different parts of the world and that it wasn't necessarily the country or the landscape that was important it was these connections and it was the type of landscape the topography that yeah. I was trying to get across. Yeah. So that was that. Which I think I think it really comes across 
beautifully as i said before it's it's the landscape your book i think is one of my favorite books um i can just come back to it over and over again i i love this i love the scale of it because it really allows you to allows you to feel part of the images and really want to reach in and touch them i love that there's there's no text on on it so you're focused purely on on the work that you're seeing in front of you and every image makes you want to stop and and think about it before you move on to before you move on to the next and um as as i said earlier as i said just briefly before with the guard to the grid at the back i i really i really enjoy seeing that i think i think it's wonderful to be able to see the sequences uh, sequences as you've spent so long to to construct because as you say it's it's a very very difficult job when you're trying to sequence anything but particularly your own work and i can only i can only imagine you must have had quite an extensive body of work from which to choose the from which to select images from I did, I, I did, but I'm not. I, I don't actually take as many pictures as people think I do. Yes, yeah. I don't actually find it that easy to take a, a picture. Yeah. Um, especially when you're using something like a four by five camera, because it's in the it's in the bottom of a pack. Yeah. And so you've got to. It's not like something that's around your shoulder that you can quickly do. Yes. Yeah. You've got to think about it. You've got to take it off your shoulder. You've got to do. It. I I go around with a Linhof Universal Viewer. Yeah. Which is. I, I would almost be lost without it. So that, that, that's, a, that's an aid, aid for me. And, you know, what, I'm tr- what, I, what I want to give people the experience of when, I'm, when, when, they're, when they're looking at the work is, I mean, I felt a certain way when I took that picture. Yeah. Everything aligned in a compositional sense from my own personal perspective and from what I was looking at in front of me. Yeah. And obviously, apart from what is in front of me, there is an interpretation that, you, that, 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 that the photographer has, and it's unique. Yes. And for someone, for someone to look at a photograph and then go away and think they can take the same photograph, they can find the right spot. Yeah. They can almost find the right spot. People do. They can't take the same picture because everything changes. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to relay, I guess, is the feeling I had when I was standing there. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an odd, it's an odd um, little, it's, it's almost um, a, a series of little cogs aligning themselves and they slot into place with just tiny little incremental movements, standing on one point, <clears throat> doing this, swaying yeah. this way, swaying that way, stepping this way, stepping that way, back, forwards, because there's something there that I've recognised as I've been walking. Yeah. And it's finding that little spot that, that uh, you, you know, to going back maybe one or two <laughs> steps to where I thought I saw something. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes it's not there. And it's generally nothing to do with the light. It's, it's always to do with the composition. Yeah. The light for me is, I would, I would hesit, almost hesitate to say incidental because I know what people will <laughs> think. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there's a bunch of light chasers out there who think that that is the important thing about taking a picture. And don't get me wrong, it is important. But if you haven't got a composition in the first place, any amount of light chasing yeah. will get you nowhere. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is why I, 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 I kind of stressed, I think with Joe, that the composition 
is important and the and, and 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 the point of the composition is the point of where you stand yeah and so um you know there are i i can't ex- the, 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 there's no point in me explaining how i do that because yeah. actually everything that anyone wants to find out about my work is in my pictures yeah and the process that they can find out about it is by deconstruction yeah it's not hard i'm not saying it's easy to put, to then put in practice because yeah. it's a personal thing and i certainly certainly would not want anybody to try to deconstruct a picture to copy it yeah that's not yeah. the point you deconstruct a picture to learn right. from it yeah to then put into um, your own practice to learn for your own practice that's it's so important and I mean, I, you know, some of the books that if I've got time still to talk about, oh, absolutely. Um, you, you know, I learned from people like Paul Strand. Yeah. Um, by looking at his pictures and all the pictures, if you look at the, 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 the people pictures in the first four books that I did, which were people in, the, in, in their environment, in the landscape that I came across yeah. to do with the land, farmers, this, that, the other. Um, I learned how to take those pictures from looking at Paul Strand's pictures. Yeah. And I'm, I don't mind saying, I don't think they look like Paul Strand's pictures. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying I wish they did because I don't. Yes. And Paul Strand never photographed in color anyway, he photographed in black and white. So there's a remove there. Yep. But what it, what it, what it made me, what it made me realize was how somebody how you can position somebody in the landscape to actually um, include them in their environment. Yes. Yeah. To so that the environment adds to them and they add to the environment. Yes. It's an inclusive thing. It's not just a picture of someone outside. Yeah. Yeah. There are little telltale things everywhere that add to what that guy or what that woman does. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's and 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 all those things. I learned from Paul Strand and you know, his book, Tira Mahane is an absolutely brilliant book. Yeah. And other very fine photographers like Chris Killett yeah. learnt um, hugely from Paul Strand. Yeah. You know, and his first book um, of the Isle of Man, uh, which I think was done in 78, I think by the Arts Council, which I have, if you look at that book, it's um, you know, it's very much similar to what Paul Strand did in Tierra Mahane. Yeah. On 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 um, the Hebrides in Scotland. Yeah. It's but it's not a copy. No. It's a, it's an influence. <clears throat> yes. And 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 Chris Killip then went on to change his whole not change his whole body of work, but he evolved into the photographer that he was for most of his life. Yeah. Which was a he was a unique visionary photographer about placing people and photographing documenting situations in this country mostly yes in the north of england and in flagrante which was his book after that is an absolutely must have um and if people haven't got it they should get it that's all i can say about that um because (laughs) it's it's such an important it's such an important book as is tira mahane I'm sort of getting onto the books now, if that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, sort of, yeah I, I just, sort of I just flow, yeah. flow manner, you know. I don't want to be sort of dot, dot, dot. If, 
no. if I can help it. But I mean, you know, for example, um, that, 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 that book there, yeah. which, you, which you must know. The one written in Preservation. <clears throat> in Wildness is the Preservation of the World. Yeah. It's by Elliot Porter, who, um, he became a photographer later on in life. He was a doctor and he did everything on tape. Yeah. And he was a complete genius. He even photographed birds on a 10-8. Um, <laughs> photographed them coming out of their nests with a 10-8 and lights yeah. flashed. Um, so, you know, it doesn't get better. It doesn't get any better than that for me. And so, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. I've got all his, all his books. I, I also can, um, um, wrote to him when I... <clears throat> when I got my first book out and sent him a copy and everything, and he wrote back, he was a bit of a crusty, he, he had a reputation of being a, 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 a bit of a crusty old guy. Right. You know, would stand no nonsense. Um, but, you know, I, I had I had a couple of, convers not conversations, um, correspondence with him. Yes. He's been very nice, very, very yep. friendly, complimentary. So that's, I, th I think that's a, it's, I wouldn't say, oddly enough, I wouldn't say it's his best book. Yeah. But it's important to me because I learned so much from it. Absolutely, yeah. And so I think you can learn um, equally as much from all of his books. But the great thing about this book is that they're not all good pictures, right. in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. There are some poor pictures in there. Yes. And I don't mean that to be um, rude. I'm being, you know, ultra-critical. And, you know, he did this book. It was his first book. If I look at my previous, if I look at my previous four books, I wouldn't put in half the pictures that are in there. Yes. So, you know, you live and learn, you know. Yeah, it's a, so moment, in, it's a, moment, it's a moment in time. Yeah. So, so that is, that is, and I've got like three different versions of that right. because it comes in a big, you know. A big, yeah. A monograph version. Yeah. It's, right, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a Sierra Club book. Yeah, and it comes in a monograph version, and Sierra Club did a, um, a series of monographs on lots of different photographers, and they were and they were great. They were yeah. completely great, and that, so that's one book. Um, another the, the, another book that's really important to me is that little book. What's that one, Carl Korab. It's a guy called Karl Korab. He was an Austrian painter. In fact, I think he's still alive, and I think this is. Um, I bought it for four pounds ten p. In don't, don't get many books. I, I must have bought it in nineteen seventy four, but because I bought it when it came out, I bought I bought this. You know, <coughs> when I was doing still lives in the studio yep. in London, and when I was doing record covers and things like that, and it, it you know it's well that's a that's a brilliant image. I mean that is such a beautiful yeah. image. Cracking. And um, and I liked his color palette. I liked his weirdness. I was interested at that, at that time, you know, I was doing record covers. I was into surreal photography. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was, I did, I did um, Supertramp covers. I did a couple of Supertramp covers at the time and it was all double exposure in camera and things like that, you know, quite tricky. Yes. And you had to come up with the ideas and present them and then you had to then go away and do them concept and everything. Else. So I was sort of doing this, more if you like yes and doing landscapes at the time yeah but it taught me a huge amount generally about composition yes and Are generally about how to look at things and um 
it's a learning tool. It's, I mean, every book, every book that I can name is a, is a, is a learning tool. Yeah. You know, so, and, and even, even books without any pictures but are, are learning tools. Yes. Um, oh, and I don't mean photographic books. I mean, I mean, I'm reading a book at the moment called Horizon by, um, um, what's his name? God, bloody terrible with names now. Lopez. Um, is it Lopez? Let me think. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Barry Lopez. That's right. Barry Lopez. He's he, unfortunately he's just died, which is very sad. Yeah. But um, he wrote. Interestingly, interestingly, Barry Lopez, for, for until he was about thirty, was a photographer, right. and I never knew this. Hmm. And I don't know what his pictures are like, so I, I, I can't find any. I can't find any anything about about his pictures. No trees. But he became one of America's great writers. Right. And and it was mostly on. Um, I wouldn't say landscape, but I would say history and landscape and okay, yeah, and, and things like that. And and um, it, he writes about landscape in an incredibly visual way. And the, 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 you know, one of the reasons I like reading people like that is that they conjure up such amazing images. And when, someone, when you're reading script prose about a landscape, you are constructing your own landscape. You don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. You've never seen that landscape. Yes. But you construct an image of everything you read about. Yeah, yes. And if you're reading about landscape, you can learn just as much about composition from reading about landscape as looking at a picture about landscape. If you, you've gone along a certain length of the road to know a little bit about landscape composition already by having taken pictures, I think yes. that helps. Yes. I think that definitely helps because I'm stretching the imagination here a little bit. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's seriously, it's, I mean, you know, it's a serious, it's a serious comment. Absolutely. Yeah. That, Constructing an, an image in your mind is a yeah. form of composition. Yes. So that so that's interesting. And um, another guy that I absolutely love is Frederick Soma. Right. And he's again an American photographer, mostly ten eight, mostly black and white. Um, but again, he did he did lots of disparate things. He was he was he was he was he hung out with fine artists. Lucky him. <laughs> he. <laughs> He did this book is, is actually a catalogue. You can still buy this for nothing. Right. And it's from 19, uh, 1980. And it's a catalogue. I can I can email you the information about these, by the way. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be appreciated. And um, you know, so he's firstly, he is I find Typical landscape photograph of his, because he did lots of other things as well. Yes. Let's see if I can get one. Okay. So it's things like that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Almost abstract. Fine, fine detail. Yeah. Um. And then he would do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unbelievably weird collages and yes. still lives. And then, actually, some of my favourites 
he would do that. All right. Yeah. Which is a still life of um, two chicken heads tied together, an eyeball, and possibly a lung or a stomach <coughs> in black and white as almost a 10-8 contact print. And yeah. I think he probably produced his work as contact prints. And it's untitled negative, number 66, in brackets, chicken parts, chicken. 1939. <laughs> it's a stroke of genius. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd done it. You know, I, I mean, I could get, you know, one could go and do something like that. I mean, I, I have to say, one of the, I have another side to my, to my um, thing that I've never really explored, and that I am in, I am in, I am keen on the macabre. And I don't mean by saying that. I mean horror horror pictures or anything like yes. that. But I'm interested in in body parts. I mean, one of the things I remember doing, which I haven't, I don't think I've ever mentioned this before ever. I used to go out into foils in London, yeah, into the medical department, and I would spend an hour looking through the medical books. Right. <clears throat> um, um, at the medical drawings, and specifically at the medical photography. Right. And I found it absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And it's that sort of forensic um, um, inspection yeah. that mm -hmm. I find intriguing. Um, I'm not into gore or anything like that. And in yeah. fact, if I, if, I can, if I see blood on the television, I feel queasy. Yes. I'm fine about seeing blood in real life. Yeah. But so I'm not into, I'm not into, in, into that kind of, Cool, but I but I do like um, unusual things like that. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Just, you know, a quirk. Anyway, let's, get, let's kind of move on. That's another book. Okay. It's not a photographic book. Right. This is a very, very special book. And I'll take off that cover so you can actually see what it looks like. Okay, so what's it called? Far, it's called Far, far Away and Long Ago. Long ago. Yeah. <clears throat> By W. H. Hudson. Right. It was written on his when he was dying with TB in London. He was born in Argentina of American parents. Yeah. In the early 1900s, or maybe in the late 1800s, when he wrote this, when he was about 85, dying of TB Ooh. or tuberculosis in, in a London boarding house, or right. I think a Brighton boarding house actually. What's what is what I the reason I've chosen that is, is, is cowhide, by the way. That's a very special edition, right? Yes. Uh, so that book is cowhide. It's a, it's a, well, it's yeah, a it looks nice. It's a li limited edition. I paid a lot, quite a lot of money for it. It's my favorite, it's my favorite book of all time, right? I've got about 15 different copies of it. You can buy it now. This is a book that you can buy now that is still in print more than a hundred, a hundred years old, yeah. Incredible. I mean, how amazing is that? So anyway, what it is, what it is, and why it is so brilliant, is because it's about his recollection of being a boy in Argentina. All right. Okay. Yeah. And it has everything about being a a, a, a child. And I don't. And I'm not saying a boy because you, a, 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 you know, obviously you, you don't have to be a man to read this. Yes. And um. It's just the most amazing um, record of 
him being a boy in Argentina, and it resonates on so many levels. Yeah. And I think it would for virtually everybody, yes. because there's something in there about childhood that would connect to anybody. Yes, yeah. So, you know, this is, this is the whole, I mean, you know, the reason I wanted to talk quite a bit about books at the end, and not necessarily for books, is, is that, you know, I think the most important thing that I can think of is a book. Yeah, yes. It is the most important thing. And, you know, and I've said, I don't know, countless times already today, how important it is to learn from them, et cetera, et cetera. So, Hopefully. that's the Chiramahane. Yes, probably. Um, I haven't got the cover, unfortunately, because this is an original. But you can buy this. I paid a fair amount for this, but you can buy this for 15 quid on, e on, on you know, A Books or wherever. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's, it's been reprinted again. I don't know how many times. But, um, you know, I mean, let me think if I can find a picture here that almost is a correlation to a picture that I might have taken. Possibly of a person I maybe should have done this beforehand, but it doesn't really matter. No, not at all. But um, well, you know, any any of them actually. But like, you know, you know, there's a there's a lovely picture of a, of a couple. Lovely, yes. It's honest, beautiful work. Yeah. Um, respectfully done. Absolutely, yeah. Um, with their with everyone's permission, obviously, because you couldn't do something like that with anyone without anyone's yes. permission, and. It's just got such a touch of delicacy to it yeah. that I think is lacking in so much photographic work. Uh, a lot of yeah. photographic work is is aggressive and and hard hitting and almost I wouldn't say brash, but I I don't know whether that reflects the times we're in. Yes. Yeah. Or because you know this was done in in. Um, I think probably the 40s or 50s or something like that. But um, and again, I learned a lot of I learned a lot from landscape in, in in this book as well. There's a picture here that I've just passed actually. Where is it? That one there. You see this one here. This one here. This this landscape. Yeah, it's really nice. On this side. Yes. On this side, yeah. Yep, yep. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of seaweeds on rocks. Well, I mean, I got a picture almost identical to that in my Britain book. Yeah. And I hadn't looked at this book for years um, when I was doing those books. I looked at this, I, I mean, I looked at this book in the, when I bought it in the 70s. Yes, yeah. And I took those pictures in Scotland in the mid-80s. Yeah. But some influence and some spark of recognition well, came into my from, mind when yes. I was there on the beach in, in the Orkneys. Yes. And I guess there's the influence, you know, there is the influence. It's not a copy. It's not a, this, it's not a that. It's, it's, there, there is influence there. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm happy to recognize it. And these are the two <clears throat> Chris Killer books yeah. that I talked about that, again, I think, um, I think both books are, are, are must-haves, actually. It's a book about... This one is called Isle of Man, a book about the Manx. Yes. It's that. <laughs> this is in flagrante. Again, you can get both of these Yeah. quite easily. And um, 
unfortunately, you know, Chris Killip died on, in November last year of cancer. Yeah. Terrible. So that's very sad. Because he was um he was living in America actually. Um and I think he'd lived there for quite a long time. But again, you know, someone who is a con I would say he's probably a contemporary of mine. Yeah. But I learned from him. Yes. Yeah. And I learned from a man that he learned from. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a continuous line. Everyone's always learning, and there'll be someone who learns from That's who, right. who continues to learn from them that produces work that the future generation learn from as well. That's right. Now that is is probably the last one I'm going to show you. Although I might show you minor white. <clears throat> it's minor white. It's mirrors, messages, manifestations. It's an absolute classic. Yeah. It's a. It's got everything in there, and what he has is he's. I I think that's one of the first photo books, landscape photo books. And photo books are different to photographic books. Yeah. I would say that my landscape book is not a photo book. It's more, it's more, it's a monograph. Yes. And a lot of books at that time were monographs. And Minor White produced this book. And I would say it's probably the first photographic. I mean, I could be wrong here. Who knows? I don't care. It's probably the first photographic photo book because it didn't have a, a specific direction. It went in all sorts of directions. Okay, yes. It had all sorts of sections and it included all sorts of pieces of writing yeah. by him and by a guy that he, I think he did it with Thomas and Jeffers, an American poet. Yeah. So there was this, there was this amazing um, collaboration between mostly him, obviously, but with bits of writing from other people as well and um it's a, it's a stunning stunning book yeah it's an absolute stunning book and again very easy to buy yeah accessible still so and um you know for example i mean everyone should have Faye godwin books i mean Faye godwin was a fantastic photographer <laughs> yeah um everyone i think you know people people should look at dianita singh um if you haven't heard of her she's an amazing photographer does these incredible things like this Cool. Oh, lovely. I mean, yeah. who does things like that? I mean, it's a, it's, it's, what is it? It's not even A5, it's A10 or something. Tiny. And it's a box and it's called Center Letter. Put it in my pocket on the way he dropped it and someone picked it up. And what it is, it's, it's a, it's a box made of Indian caddy cloth, which is their spun cotton. Yeah. And it's just a set of, Concertina books. Oops. Lovely. Concertina books. Tiny wee ones, yeah. Really nice. Now, you know, the, you know, it, it, interestingly, <coughs> I cannot think of another photographer who, whose work I can think, I can think Dionysus Singh was influenced by. Yeah. I just can't think of anybody because she's so unique. Yeah, so different. And um, I don't think she, I don't know whether she looked at picture, picture books, photographic books. I have no idea. She comes from, I think, probably a, a, a quite a, a learned scholarly um, family in India. Right. So, I'm, you know, she was certainly very well educated. So she would have come across things and 
you know, I think she, she probably lives partly in, 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 in America now, I don't know. But again, she was, she's doing, she's done something that is, is absolute, absolutely unique. Yeah. And if you see her work in a gallery, she has this amazing, amazing constructions that she's had made. Cool. And they're, they are almost, they're wooden, wooden cabinets of curiosity. Right. And they're different, they're different, they're, they're about, I don't know, six, seven foot high. Okay. And there are, there are planes of, uh, of sliding frames. Yes. It's a difficult thing to describe. You have to look yeah. at it online. Yeah. And, and she can change the whole sequence of, of the images by right. slotting in new pictures that are framed. Oh, cool. And they all close up and can be shipped. Around. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an amazing piece of construction. Yeah. And her pictures are amazing. Yeah. So um, there we are. Um, I, I bought a book recently called, I, I, won't, I won't share it to you, but it's called Zido by, um, maybe I will share it to you. Why not? not? Yes. It's called Zido okay. by Yukari um, Chikura. It's new, it's expensive, and it's absolutely beautiful. Stunning. And it's what I've, I've never seen a I've never seen a book like it. You know, the, when the, when, I, when the Japanese do a book, they do it Japanese like nobody else. Book. Yeah. And this has something like. So can you see that? Yeah. Look. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, beautiful. It's got book. something like. 15 lead-in pages yes printed on tissue paper each it's the same image but yeah. getting stronger as you go it's through right. yeah fascinating Japan, japanese books are beautiful the amazing thing some some of the construction techniques that they use are really quite incredible yeah and lastly i'm only going to mention this one because i've just finished reading it it's, a, it's an absolutely brilliant book. It's called Island Zombie yep. by Ronnie Horn, who's a fine, fine artist, American. She does um, video photography, writing, drawing. Yep. And these are extracts from diaries and things like that. Oh, cool. And I'm yep. quite big on diaries when I work as well. I make my own little diaries. Right. And um, I, had, I had to read this book really, really slowly. Because it was so good um, and so dense about, um, well, literally, when, when you, she, it, it, it would be a passage as, as much as that. Yes. Yeah. Like one or two paragraphs. But what you were actually reading was, was a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds weird. Possibly. Maybe it doesn't. But I, it, it, I don't come across it very often where I'm literally reading something and I'm, I'm, I'm almost looking at the picture as I'm reading it. Yes. And that's not the same thing as what I mentioned to you before when you're yeah. reading, you're, dis, you're, you're, you're composing a picture in your yes. mind. This is something else. This is something, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> I tried to put my finger on it by reading it really slowly. Yes. I don't know whether I have. But anyway, <laughs> it's an absolutely brilliant book. Very good. So there we are. I think that's probably it. Uh, that's the list so far. Sounds like an absolute fascinating selection. And I, I always enjoy hearing the books that other people take inspiration from and 
find find inspirational as well and, and enjoy looking back through because everyone everyone has got different books that have you talk about the books that you have inspired maybe have inspired you at different points and have, have taught you different things and I think everyone's the same so it's always fascinating to get some new names that I can begin to go and research and expand my own knowledge and hopefully every, anyone who's listening to this as well can begin to to broaden their their knowledge and their their horizons as well and I, I think as you say it's fascinating books are wonderful things you can come back to them over and over again and you can sit down and spend time with them as opposed to everything's so digit digital now it's like you flick down at such high speed you don't get the opportunity to stop and take things in which is what you do when you've got a book and exactly say, that's what's that, that that you know that is what is so important about the book it's the feel of it it's the smell of it yeah it's the tooth of the the paper the paper yeah it's the it's all those choices yes yeah very very important yeah, and and the, the 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 choices that people make when they're producing a book impact on on the final outcome so much as well from cloth covers, silk covers, wooden covers to different paper choices internally and how the and how the work then comes across, particularly all all the colors, the tones, black and white or whatever it is, and and just the feel yeah. and the size of it as well in terms of how the images are portrayed <clears throat> as well. And it's it it all makes for such fascinating objects as well. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. So, I mean, I'm doing something slightly different with the new, with the, with, the, with the book that I'm that I've been working yes. on. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be more um, landscape shape. Yes. And it's only. I don't even think it's. it's it, I don't even think it's A4. It's probably smaller than A4. Yeah. And it's it just. Is. It's it's sort of between square and landscape shape. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but and, and it's as I said earlier, it's it's all these pictures about um, everyday religious things that people do in India that seem to be habitual. Yeah. Um, from that to um, um, the the huge religious festivals that they go to, like the Mahakumela and yes. things like that. So um, and <clears throat> the writing like for the writing for that is going to be um, one guy's. Uh, um, a professor of religious studies in a university in America, and his okay. his um his um speciality is hin is Hinduism. Yes. Okay. And then the other guy is a man that I know, um, and he's the head of um an academic ashram in Vrindavan. Um, <clears throat> so it's an ashram, but it's a very academic one. It's where it's where a lot of um. American professors and English professors go to look at Sanskrit Sanskrit texts. Okay, yeah. So, should be interesting. Very good. And how's the work coming on for for that book? Well, all the pictures obviously are taken. Yes. Um, I took those starting in the eighties, late eighties, all the way through the nineties up until I think the last time I went seriously was about two thousand to the Mahakamela. Okay. Um, and I tried. I tried to. Get it published a couple of times before. Dowie Lewis nearly did it. A, a, a publishing house in France nearly did it. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it didn't happen. And um, I was—I've now been approached by um, a guy I I knew some time back, and he's now running a foundation in India. Very nice. And also running a gallery. Yeah. Um, and he's—he wants to do it. So. Excellent. He's got these two guys involved, and I've been—I spent all of last year in the lockdown 
um, working on the scanned images that Tim Parkin did for me, which yeah. I did really, really well. And um, yeah, just waiting to see, um, you know, because of COVID partly, yeah. when, it can, when, it can, when we can get it out there. Very good. Excellent. So, that, is, that will certainly be something to look forward to and hopefully... Uh, hopefully I'm completely different. Uh, very sounds very very different from uh, from certainly your previous books. So yeah, but it's all I think it's always something nice to do something a bit different as well. And yeah, um, I do, you know I, I think it's nice to just shake it up a bit. You know, and yep. also I'm not doing it because I'm not doing it because of that. I'm doing it because um, I did again. I did the pictures pure for my pure pleasure. Yes. Um, and after afterwards, of course, you want to do something with them. You know, if you if you've got a strong enough statement to yep. make about the, the working process that you were going through, then you want to make a, you want to make a presentation. Absolutely. You want to make a book for it, basically. Yeah. Share, share that work with others. I mean, I haven't put, I don't think any of those pictures um, are on my website. There might be one or two, possibly. Yep. One or two, maybe, in the portrait section. And I don't really want to put them on until I get near to um, getting the work published. And then I will also probably start putting them on on my Instagram page. Yes. Very good. Sure. Well, going to get interest. Yes, absolutely. Well, for, for anyone who's listening who doesn't have the landscape, uh, you can still buy copies from Paul's, uh, Paul's website. I'm always still flabbergasted that there are copies still available. And um, it's, it truly is. I, I think anyone who I've spoken to always speaks so highly and enjoys the book so much. It, it really has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this morning paul wonderful insight into your work and 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 your inspirations and and your your love of books as well which really comes across and and your love for your love for the landscape and being outdoors and um yeah it's 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 really been inspirational hearing you hearing you talk about your work paul and it has been a pleasure so thank you very much for your time well thank you very much and thanks a lot pleasure brilliant